Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Anything you get really, really great at, whatever the hobby is, whatever the profession is, you reach a point of literacy where you start to have your own unique way of doing things because no two people have ever come from the same exact set of circumstances. I am talking about the willingness to be seen as who I really am. I think that is a distinguishing characteristic of really masterful speakers. If you get too far into your head and you worry about it being perfect, you'll you won't you won't dig deep enough into your heart, which is the which is the part that you can't you can't edit heart in. And there's something about taking what we don't really understand or what we love or what we appreciate and externalizing it that we ask we ask questions through our art together collectively. And that art is this process of cohesion. It's an alchemy that takes place in art. Why do we love stories? What makes storytelling so powerful? For the next four episodes, we take a look at how the art of storytelling connects us, a connection which is integral to our well-being as humans. We will look at storytelling from the perspective of four creative professionals, drummer Tim Buell, speaker Catherine Johns, writer Randy Heller, and artist and writer Arlette Manassi. Randy Heller has always been enthralled with the art of storytelling through writing. He has a bachelor's and a master's degree in creative writing, 25 years of experience as a digital marketer, marketing director, and web developer, and is now a freelance writer for small businesses who wish to tell a better marketing story. In this episode, we talk about the power of storytelling through writing. A great story needs key ingredients and delights both audience and writer. And if you would like to make writing a habit, tune in for tips to make it an accessible practice. Welcome to the podcast, Randy. Thank you so very much for being here. That's really great to be here. I'm, I'm happy to um, been a while since uh, you and I have sort of had a chance to communicate with each other. So it's, it's great to have a chance to, to talk to you. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure to reconnect and really dig into why you are so passionate about the vehicle of writing to tell your story. Can you tell us why and how you fell in love with writing? You know, I think always with with writing, it always starts with with reading, right? So, and and I um, you know, I grew up in a little small town in, in New Jersey. You know, I was I was a quiet kid. I was shy. I had some hearing issues when I was younger, so I wasn't always as as social uh, as I could be. But so I'd spent a lot of time, you know, at the library, and and I can in particular I remember there was one place I would sit. You know, in the in, again, it was an old sort of Victorian stone, you know, library, and there, it had it had these sort of long aisles you know with books on either side and there would be a window at the end of the aisle and i would just sit there on the floor like using the light (laughs) the sunlight you know coming in through the window and i would just read just anything i was reading fiction and non-fiction and you know sci-fi and and what you know whatever it whatever it was and i would just sit and read and read for for hours and and then at some point i just sort of 
you know, I realized, well, I've read enough that maybe I can, you know, write things. Maybe I can tell stories. So, you know, at a fairly young age, I would, I just started playing around with, you know, with writing things. I didn't really share them, um, you know, with anybody into my teen years. And I remember we got like this little electric typewriter and I had this sort of romantic image in my head of like, well, I'm going to write stories like, you know, like the, like Hemingway and those people do, right? I'd learned to type in, in, uh, in high school, learned to type on a, on a typewriter, on a manual typewriter, and an electric typewriter. So I just started, you know, writing on the typewriter, you know, not writing by hand and then, you know, writing on the typewriter. Uh, and I, you know, I particularly remember writing a story. I typed it up and then retyped it a couple of times to get it all right. And then I, found there was magazines that still accept this. I don't remember what magazine I sent it to, like probably some sort of sci-fi magazine that started a process of me writing short stories, usually of a sci-fi or, or kind of horror. I was very into Stephen King um, variety and just regularly typing stories and sending them out to magazines and not, and you know, I would get rejection letters back, you know, and that process sort of began for me. My daughter has always written from a very young age. And we've talked about it quite a bit. And for her, writing has always been something very personal, being able to express emotions on the page. Did you ever find that that was true for you? Or were you writing more for others? Well, or a combination it, of it, the yeah, two. It's a combination because what ended up eventually ended up happening, there was the excitement of that, you know, at first and that, and that sort of, you know, I continued trying to get things published into, um, you know, into my twenties. And then at one point just sort of stopped because I realized I was trying to write to get published and I was trying to be clever and I was trying to do all this and that. And I wasn't really mm. tapping into, you know, so, you know, so it's part of what changed, you know, so I ended up graduating high school. I actually ended up originally started going to, uh, I went to an, an engineering school, become a computer engineer at the time because I had really good math and science scores. Uh, ended up writing short stories on the computer that I was supposed to be doing my physics on. Promptly dropped out of engineering <laughs> school after one semester. <laughs> went to a liberal arts school, started taking English uh, classes. I took my first intro to creative writing class, and that just opened up my whole world. The sort of stories that I would write for creative writing all had to be a little more, you know, mainstream. And invariably, that meant I was dealing with more personal issues. So you see, so it, so, so at the point that I started writing that kind of story, um, and started digging into more, much more personal issues. And, and I wasn't really already by that point trying to get published all that much. Usually the only people seeing them were either my teachers or the people that I was workshopping them with in the classrooms, uh, and then family, you know, or friends, or I, I was sharing there. So I wasn't really, it wasn't private, but it wasn't, I wasn't trying to get them out. You know, I ended up writing a novel, I ended up going to school, dropping out of school, writing a novel, getting my master's degree in creative writing, and then promptly became a web designer, because this is what I've done back and forth in my life. I go from, you know, art to technology and back and forth, because my brain does that. So even though you tried to leave the world of writing, it just chased you oh, down. Well, it's one of those, it's one of those core skills, right? When, when you know how to write well, and you, uh, you know, say I was the, you know, web, web developer type person, and I was working with editors who had to work with software, I would be the one to sort of, oh, let me write this sort of manual for how to do this, or you know, let me write a biz, the, the business proposal that we need to convince this client, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I was sort of, I sort of branded myself a, a master writer, you know, because I, 
I felt I had, I had earned that through my education and just decades of, you know, and the way you have a master plumber, a master electrician, like, okay, well, I can be a master mm-hmm. writer. I've got, I've got the chops. As you've been talking about this, especially as you introduced the concept of becoming a master storyteller and writer, what are some of the ingredients to writing a great story? I'd say there's three, three things. One would be uh, transformation. What changes? Uh, Harry Potter goes from somebody who knows nothing about magic to becoming the, the most powerful wizard, right? He, something changes from here mm-hmm. to here, right? The other aspect is association. Like, can, can you write something that somebody sees themselves in, that they see themselves, you know, in it? So, you know, if you, if you think about something as simple as like Aesop's fables, right? So you, you read the tortoise in the hare. And you have to ask yourself, wait, am I the tortoise or am I the hare? Like, which one? Am I the ant or am I the grasshopper? Like, there's always these sort of mm-hmm. like, which which one do you associate with? And in any story, you know, somebody associates with somebody in Harry Potter. You read the Peanuts comic strip and you're like, you know what? I'm kind of a Linus, you know? No, I'm kind of a Charlie Brown, whichever one, right? So people want to see themselves in, in, you know, in the story and, and you need to sort of give them that, particularly because now that they've seen themselves in there, well, now what's happening to that character or what's happening if it's a business, what I, like I associate with this business that I'm reading about, what happened to them? Could that happen to me? You know, we, we, you know, that reflection tells us something about ourselves. Uh, and then the third, um, probably education. Invariably, you know, any, anything that you write, you should be trying to teach somebody something, whether it's a, a moral like Aesop's fable or whether it's, you know, even in the Harry Potter, right? It's, it's about overcoming adversity. It's about, you know, and we see this in, in, in business, the best business stories too. It's, it's about, a lot of times it's about overcoming adversity. It's about having a purpose and, and, and driving toward that purpose. And so you want to educate people about what, what that mission, you know, is in transformation, association, and education. Those are the three that I always, if you can get all of those in there, I think that makes for, a compelling way, you know, to connect you know, with somebody. The association piece, does it have a direct bearing, a direct relationship with your authenticity or how much you are willing to put yourself, your true self on the page? I would say that there, yeah, there's an aspect of that, right? Because you, you, you want, and obviously this is more the case, say, if you're talking about writing something, say, you know, for a business, like we don't, we don't necessarily, you know, care whether Stephen King is authentic, right? Because he's, you know, we might care a little more if it's something that feels a little more autobiographical, you wouldn't want to feel the sense that somebody who was sort of writing their autobiography was just sort of making things up, right? Say writing a story for a business, a lot of the times people want to see that they were, you know, that, that, that a company struggled for a little bit. I think people want to see that, oh, they struggled, they stumbled, but then here they are now. Now they're Apple computers, right? Whatever it is, right? So it's humanity. Yeah, because that, but yeah, right. Because then by association, now you can say, okay, well, they had a hard time in the beginning and now look at who they are. So if I'm having a hard time right now, I could be that. So that association, absolutely. But, but you need, but to your point, you need to know that that's real. You can't make up, you know, stories or, or distance their business too much from who they are. Do you have to be good at writing or a renowned author to write? At the end of the day, the I mean, a no. I mean, obviously, I think any, anybody can 
they always tell you, like, just go back and read one of Hemingway's first short stories or listen to, you know, one of um, Bob Dylan's first songs, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, everybody sucks in the beginning, right? You have to. It, that's the only, you don't come out of the womb, you know, as, as being a superstar. So you've got to start somewhere. Editing is the key to anything, right? So you, I did a lot more editing early in earlier years just on seems like basic structure and, and getting it right. And then over time, I find there are actually times I can get it right the first time. Boom. But I still can't get it right the first time every time. Like it's, it's so much of it happens. It's, it's not what you, where you start with something. It's where you end up. So you, you never know, even with an experienced writer like, you know, like a Stephen King, you never know how bad that first draft might have been. Like it may have taken. And he not only edits his own stuff, he has, he has people who edit things for him. They're professional editors. The problem is if you get weight, if you get too far into your head and you worry about it being perfect, you'll, you won't, you won't dig deep enough into your heart, which is the, which is the part that you can't, you can't edit heart in. You know what I mean? You have to kind of, you've got to take the feeling and the passion and the emotions and the, you know, the, the, the more profound side of whatever it is that you're putting out there. And you just got to get it out there, you know, whether it's on the page or on the, on the tape or on the video or, or, or whatever. And then you can, you can always work with it afterward that you mm-hmm. can only hit mm-hmm. by stumbling and, and getting it wrong, getting it wrong, getting it wrong, boom, nailing it. Right. So what are the rewards of writing? It's making, cause it's funny. A lot of things I write, I don't go back and look at them after I've written them, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it's for. You know, so sometimes there's a reward of, I do go back and like, like, oh, wow, I really said that well. But more often than not, it's, it's the response, right? It's, it's what, even something as simple as a, as a comment, you know, posting a comment to a workshop or a seminar or to LinkedIn or someplace, right? And having somebody, you know, like, wow, you really said that well. Like making that connection, effectively communicating something that was inside of you to somebody else. The next reward is that you, actually uh affect somebody that they say you know what i never saw it that way that's completely changed the way i think about this thing mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. i can take what you've given me sort of as a tool and move forward on something that i was stuck on before like that's gold so if someone wants to start a writing habit they want to make it accessible do you have any tips i mean they always say just do it right like i mean the, it, the, the easiest way if it's something I did when I was younger that I, 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 I need to pick up again and, and haven't is, is journal writing. The, the nice thing with that is because it's, it provides you a structure, right? I've got this book. It sits by my bedside. Every night I write a page and just write whatever, right? And that gets you in that habit of just, just putting something down. And yes, when we write an email or a text, that's writing, quote unquote, right? It's, 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 a, it's a form of writing, but it's so, utilitarian um but making a point but don't you think it's important well, oh absolutely important but it's it's not going to satisfy that same um sort of writing for the sake of it i guess would be so mm-hmm. writing in a journal is writing for the sake of it writing a poem or writing a story is writing for the you know for this for the sake of it and and, and you know and to your daughter yeah to your, to your daughter's point not necessarily writing it to share it with anybody else but writing it because you 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 want to do it and you want to explore something in writing that 
uh-huh. and you want to examine growth or chart growth yeah. or really uh, to your point earlier we tend to romanticize our memories yeah. whether it's in a more positive light or in a more painful light uh-huh. and having it actually written down makes quite a difference it can be quite eye-opening yeah because yeah because our memories i mean you know our, you know there's a whole I don't know the psychology of it, but I, you know, I, I do recognize that our memory is almost a way that our brain works with memories in a way to kind of keep us, you know, sane, you know, so it'll, it'll frame things in a way that, that helps us, you know, now, but isn't necessarily always, you know, accurate. I want to circle back to your comment about the emails and the texts. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not saying that you didn't think that they were important, but mm-hmm. I want to explore that a little bit more because there's so much literature, so many articles you can easily pull off of the internet talking about why it's important to pay attention to how we communicate when we're sending emails and texts to different people, right? Whether it's business related or it's a friend or family member, there can be so much misconstrued. Do you have any pointers when it comes to representing what you're really trying to say communicating in, in email and text and i'm going to sort of say this in using the word it's so cheap right because it's you know i'm old enough to remember that if i wanted to send i, I remember writing you know handwritten letters because it took that amount of time the amount of time that it took to put the pen to the paper and and and, and get it in the mail and then wait for it and do all of that it was you know there was still a sort of a value to you thought about what you were going to say by the time you finish. Like if I wrote a letter like that and I was saying some nasty things, I was mad at somebody. By the time I got to the end of it, I could stop and look at it and say, yeah, I shouldn't send this and then crumple it up and throw it in the garbage because you know, it wasn't, it wasn't coming from the right place. Now I could rattle off an email, boom, hit send. And it's out there before I ever have a chance to think twice about it. So I almost always, whenever I send an email out, go back and reread it before I send it. Like I never just type it out and hit send like anything that I put things in a workshop or in LinkedIn, I always make a point of going back and rereading it and then sort of subconsciously asking myself, do I want to hit send here? And and don't just because it's easy to type out, you know, 500 words in an email to somebody doesn't mean, you know, you should, did you, is everything you said really what, what needed to be said or because it's going to take somebody time to read 500, you know, words and their time is valuable. Your time is valuable. So you're, what I hear you saying is remembering the humanity again yeah. and remembering the connection. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 just, and just remembering that it's about communicating something. There's so much now in the, in the internet age of just sort of just filling everything up with noise, right? Like mm-hmm. more videos, mm-hmm. more words, more posts, more likes. Remembering that if, if it's about communicating something, what is needed to communicate and can the rest that's that isn't needed for that, you know, can that be dropped? So can you tell us about your business and how to find you? Well, you can find me at randyheller.com. Where I'm coming from is that I, I see that there's all of these great sort of small and solo and startup and family run, you know, businesses um, and even freelancers that are at a, a stage in their business where they can't afford to hire something like a branding or a marketing firm, right? To, and pay them $10,000 to let the world, you know, what they're doing, right? So, but these, you know, these smaller businesses, they still 
they need help getting people to understand and communicate, you know, the full potential of what it is that they're offering the world. Businesses don't usually have somebody, um, talking to them about their story, you know, their, their, their brand story until they can afford, you know, like a firm or an agency. Right. And that, and that sucks. They, because really very small businesses also have a story to tell and it's one that they need to tell in order to, in order to help them, you know, find their tribe and to grow. Okay. So you, so somebody lands at two different websites, your business and somebody else's business. And based on what they see there, you, it seems like you both do, you know, more or less the same thing. Prices are comparable. You know, the cost is comparable from one to the other, but one makes them feel something and one doesn't, right? One makes them feel like, wow, I really want to work with these people. The other, you know, it's just saying, this is what we do. This is how much it will cost. And it's, you know, clearly a fine, respectable business, but there's no story there. Who do people gravitate around, you know, at a dinner party? It's the person who's telling the best stories, right? It's because our brains are hardwired toward responding to stories, to narratives, to this happened, then that happened, and then things changed, and, and there's your transformation. And it's also the association, too. How, how well is a business telling their story in such a way that the prospective client or customer sees themselves in that story are you educating is the story you're telling you know on your website or wherever doing so in such a way that you're you're taking care to sort of you know educate people about what it not only just here's what i do but here's why what i do you know is important so randy what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy it's really a balance of of body and mind but I really learned this for myself a couple of years ago when I just, I don't know, I got to a point where, I mean, I'm a fairly slim guy, but I got to a point where my weight was getting a little much. My blood pressure was way up. It wasn't good. And so I just sort of made a pact myself. I'm going to start going to the gym, you know, at least three times a week. And it was just a drip by drip thing. It's like, I'm just going to do this every week. Just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and, and see where this gets me. And after a year, like I had my weight down to levels that it had not been to you know since like college blood pressure way down actually you know below average rather than being above was sleeping better um and just found that mentally i was just clearer i was more focused and then what happens is this sort of virtuous cycle, right? So now I'm feeling better about myself. I'm feeling less anxious. I'm feeling less stressed. I'm getting more done. I'm seeing a little more success. So now I don't feel the need to sort of binge eat something. I don't feel the need to be a slug. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the mm-hmm. gym, right? So feeling better mentally makes me feel better physically. Feeling better physically makes me feel better mentally. And I'm 52, you know, now, so it's all the more important. You, know, you can't take for granted anymore that the, the weight will stay off or that the blood pressure will stay down. Like I'm at that point where I have to kind of, I have to actively, you know, do things to keep myself in, um, in good shape. But it's good because it's, you know, I should have had better practices even before now, but, um, I, I definitely feel the dividends of it when I, when I take care of, of both sides, uh, you know, of, of my, of my health. Randy, it has been such a pleasure getting to talk to yeah. you a little bit more about writing and what it means to you and how it can impact and should and does impact everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. And 
I just thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. It was really, it was a, it's a long overdue, and it was a, and it was a treat. So. And now it's time for the mindful minute. Here's a quote by author J.K. Rowling. There's always room for a story that can transport people to another place. And don't forget to tune in to part four of this series when we talk to artist and writer Arlette Manassi about the power of storytelling through art. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Having Nadine as my yoga teacher and I have ADD has helped me slow down, concentrate, and relax. I have found my neck where my shoulders don't go to my ears all the time. To learn more and to practice yoga with me, find me at yogimd.net.